We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, Bobby, yesterday we hosted an epic rant from Ryan Clark about Lamar Jackson. Now I've got my own rant coming because through two weeks of the season, Lamar Jackson is one of the most accurate, that's right, accurate QBs in the NFL. And I've gotten pushback on Twitter for it. No, 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 no. I've got the metrics to back it up. I can't wait. Oh boy, I'm looking forward to that. And we're also going to take an in-depth look at the degree of difficulty and precision that was required to convert that 52-yard strike from Lamar to Zay on Sunday in Cincinnati. I am Sarah Ellison alongside Bobby Trossett. It is Wednesday, September 20th, and this is your morning Ravens update from Inside the Vault. So Sarah, NFL Network analyst Brian Baldinger, we've shared some of his work before and he's at it again. He gave an exceptional breakdown of Lamar's game from his unique vantage point as a former player. And the Athletics' Jeff Zarebeck wrote about the significant change in demeanor and overall approach to the game that he's observed from number eight so far this season compared to last year. Plus, there's been two Ravens roster moves that have been announced. And we're going to talk about why uh, it's been a costly couple weeks for Justin Matabike. Yeah, we have all that more coming up. Thanks for waking up with the Morning Vault, where you get the most important Ravens news and our opinions in about 30 minutes. To your point there earlier on in the intro, like you said, yesterday was about Ryan Clark and his yet again awesome rant that was just all over the point that is, hey, can we stop like critiquing the way that Lamar Jackson wins games as we once did with Floyd Mayweather's fights? Right. Mm-hmm. The greatness is greatness at the end of the day. And I think I kind of took the the role in in leading that conversation. As you mentioned, this is your content coming up here. So I will pass <laughs> the baton to you. What'd you come up with when it comes to the overall accuracy of Lamar so far within this new offense uh, based on what you dug up? All right. So without a doubt, Lamar, through two weeks of the season, we're only two weeks in, so it's easy to skew stats, this and that, but Without a doubt, through two weeks of the season, Lamar Jackson is one of the most accurate quarterbacks. Now, it's tough to get a complete read on accuracy. Plus, the deeper you get into stats, sometimes it gets more confusing. So I went to Twitter, 
and I put this up, um, which only shows his completion percentage, right? So I have it written here, the completion percentage of all NFL quarterbacks through two weeks of the season. Number one is Josh Allen. He's at 76.9% completion percentage. Uh, he does have some interceptions in there. Uh, so it seems like when he's incomplete, sometimes they're picked off. Uh, Lamar Jackson, he comes in at number two. He's at 74.5. I mean, three-fourths of his passes, he is completing Kirk Cousins, number three at 72.7, Jimmy Garoppolo at 72 even, and then number five, Geno Smith, 71.6. Okay, so Bobby, obviously... There's a lot of factors that come up with completion percentage, but it is one metric you can look at, and it certainly is, let's see, Lamar's career completion percentage has been 63.7, so he's almost 10% better. Okay, completion percentage, there has to be a receiver on the other end of it, right? Like for it to be complete, somebody's got to catch it. So this is hilarious to me. Almost immediately, <laughs> a Chiefs fan quote retweets me <laughs> and I put it up here on the on the uh, screen and he says this stat does not define accuracy is Patrick Mahomes inaccurate because his receivers can't catch and then he has hashtag Chiefs Kingdom now in a lot of ways I feel for this guy Baltimore knows exactly where he's coming from right for years people have taken completion percentage and been like see this is why you you know that Lamar Jackson is inaccurate and so Baltimore fans would be fans would be like yeah well he doesn't have any weapons okay so 1000% completion percentage is gonna be affected by the weapons are you are you actually reeling it in when it's right there or not so uh, welcome Chiefs Kingdom to the last five years in Baltimore. <laughs> okay, like we feel your pain. Okay, so to his point, completion percentage isn't just about the quarterback, although it does have a big part of him. So I listen, I got other stuff. People tweeted in there, oh yeah, Lamar's the check down king. Okay, it's trying to imply that, oh, the only reason why his completion percentage is up is because he's doing these three or four yard check downs. No, I mean, he's increased those, but remember, Lamar still scrambles more than he likes to check down, okay? So then everybody's like, well, what's his air yards? Yada, yada, yada. Any, this is, goes right back to what we were talking about yesterday. It's just like, how are people judging Lamar? It just is like the goalposts constantly get moved. So at one point, it's like, oh, his low completion percentage shows that he doesn't have an arm. Oh, but now that it's high, the completion percentage doesn't matter, okay? So it matters, but I can give even more metrics to back it up. So I went back to Twitter. As you know, Bobby, this took me some time because I wanted to, like, get it right. So I don't want to put out bad information. So, I, you know, I gave a few points. I said a couple notes for those trying to downplay these stats for Lamar. I already talked about number one where I talk about the wide receivers uh, and targets affecting the completion percentage. But here, this is the big one. This is the big one. An even better stat to look for with, with completion percentage is CPOE. That stands for completion percentage over expected. Okay. And so this is a next gen stats kind of like computer models where what they do is they compare what a quarterback is expected to complete versus what he does complete. 
And these models take into super, um, just all the context and the factors that go into it. So let me just name a couple of factors that it will put into the computer system. It'll take into account the air yards and the air distance. Okay, so it, it so it takes into account if it's like a three yard check down or a 52 yarder to, to Zay Flowers. It takes that into account. It takes into account um, uh, target separation. Okay, so it's way harder to get somebody who has almost no separation versus somebody who's got like three yards of separation. It takes into account time to throw, like et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So now you really are getting a better feel for how accurate a quarterback is. Well, you go and look up what's Lamar's CPOE. He is plus 6.4, okay? So he completes almost 6.5% more than what the these computer models say he should be completing based on all the factors that are happening. Where does that rank in the NFL? That is sixth best through two weeks of the season in the league among quarterbacks that have 30 or more attempts. I threw out Gardner Minshew just because he doesn't have a ton of attempts and he was, um, I think, like number one on the list or something, number two, something crazy. So, Listen, they end up seeing him this weekend. Yeah, that's right. You're you're absolutely right. So we're we're gonna find out. We're gonna find out if if he uh how how good he is. But Lamar is number six in the league. That's nearly top five when it comes to accuracy. Okay. The final thing, um, if you just want to get an idea for air yards, because I had people ask me about that, is air yards per attempt is seven point three. That's eleventh in the NFL, and then his yards per attempt. So what's What's been completed is 7.4, which is ninth in the NFL. Again, that's about top 10. Okay. So I repeat, all the metrics are showing that Lamar Jackson through two weeks is um, one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the NFL. So let me leave you with this lasting impression. So we all have saw this play from Lamar to Zay. It's the 52-yarder before I play it. Zay, uh, this is again, according to next gen stats, Zay's separation is not a ton on this. It's 0.7 yards. And oh, remember, he's got, yeah, less than a yard. And he's got, he's sandwiched between two Bengals defenders. Now the safety seems to be further off than the, than the, than the uh, corner, but he, but Lamar's got to uh, take it into account both of those DBs. So flowers gets 0.7 yards of separation. And again, according to NextGen Stats computer models, there was only a 33.8% completion probability. That's not a high probability. And Lamar fits it in here like no other. For those that are on audio, we're looking at the end zone view from Lamar's back. He fakes a handoff to Justice Hill and then throws that and boom, right in between those two defenders. Are you kidding me? Now, Zay Flowers, to, to the point of completion percentage, if he drops that, and it's not an easy catch, he uses his helmet to catch it, then that would have been an incompletion for Lamar. So, yes, you need good receivers, but Lamar put that in the exact, the exact right place. I wish we could slow it down. Here we go again. Lamar, beautiful feet, standing in the pocket, plenty of time. Boom, right in between those two DBs. You can't tell me that that is not accuracy and that's not difficult. That's not a check down 
Yes, your Lamar Jackson, who everybody has been saying has, doesn't have an accurate arm, has one of the best arms through two weeks of the season. I will now digress. Sarah, super thorough, awesome way to start this thing off. I'll add on to that, that I just finished up listening to and watching JTO Sullivan's quarterback school analysis. He's a former NFL quarterback who now hosts the quarterback school YouTube channel. And he does an incredible job of breaking down the nuances and the, the footwork and the timing and the drop back and everything that he saw from Lamar's game in Cincinnati. And while everything you just mentioned is encouraging and, and leads you to believe that the best is yet to come, you want to times that by a thousand, go watch JT's video because there's small little things that he's picking up on. The art of the drop back, when he gets to his base stance and maybe even starts to kind of hop up a little bit too early with his body after the drop back, which sometimes can lead to inaccuracy and overthrows. We know he had a couple overthrows that would have been walk-in touchdowns. One that comes to mind is when Zay was getting pressed in the slot by a DB right, right up at the line of scrimmage, buries him within a second on that route, and then Lamar just overthrows him. He's overthrowing him solely based on, according to JT, as a former NFL quarterback, solely based on the, the footwork and the timing after the drop. And so I just thought that was fascinating. We'll link to it in the show notes here below. So go check out that, that video if you haven't already done so. But my point here is that Lamar is still, through two weeks, as you well and eloquently outlined one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the league and he's not even close to being what we know he can be in this offense and I think over time you'll start to see through film prep and familiarity and comfort in this new scheme I'm sure today for example was a big film day for him we're taping this on on Tuesday the 19th and so he's going to start to familiarize himself with this new footwork with this new timing the cadence that now Todd is required of him, that's you know, that Todd Munkin is requiring of him. And goodness gracious, I mean, the sky's going to be the limit. And, you know, I think about the slant to OBJ, right? That was, that was awesome to see Odell pre-aggravating that ankle hit that slant. But Sarah, it was just slightly behind him from Lamar. He gets that, that timing down on that slant, and maybe Odell picks up big-time yak yards there. So, again... We can nitpick all we want, and we'll continue to because I think it's encouraging that Lamar's still lighting up the the you know the stat sheets and winning games, and yet the guy's got all all kinds of room for improvement. And that is mind-boggling that like you know he's 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 playing as well as he is. Well, I mean, again, we're only two weeks in, and he really had a great game against. The Bengals the week before, I just felt like there was so little time to even throw for him. It was harder to get engaged. So, uh, yeah, to know that he can play that well. And it's like he, Lamar and Harbaugh say every single week, whether it's win or lose, there's always like you watch the film and you're like, oh, man, we have room to get even better. It's like, okay, all right, I, li I like that. I like that. Let's keep, let's keep moving forward. So, and listen, we had to do this. So, uh, Brian Baldinger of the NFL Network, <clears throat> He just is so fun when he does his film cut up. So he had one on, on Lamar that we just had to play. After only two weeks and a small sample size of 55 pass attempts, Lamar Jackson leads this NFL in completion percentage over 74%. 
seemed pretty patient right here finding his good friend and target Mark Andrews. But it's all kinds of throws, like this one here to Odell Beckham. Like this throw right here is perfect. Quick slant in stride. All right, now, he's getting a, a bunch of these two. Like here's Aguilar away from the safety. Nick Scott's coming to blow it up. Dax Hill's coming to blow it up away from the safety. Perfect. And then the deep shot to Zay Flowers, a guy that just can flat out scoot. He's got hands, gets inside the corner. Cameron Taylor Britt right here. Great catch. 52 yards. Oh, and this guy, he'll take you all on. And then finally this, the sprint right option right here for his touchdown. Second touchdown pass of the season to Mark Andrews to put the Ravens up 20 to 10. And now it's time to do the Lamar Jackson skip. You know, when I was watching Lamar skip, like he gets vertical. Like he really gets up when he skips. Good hops. <laughs> Banding might have been awesome. my favorite. <laughs> yeah. That's so good. The Lamar yeah, Jackson he's, he's skip. The Lamar Jackson skip, He's for the audio-only folks, he's stopping and pausing his screen when Lamar's in the air celebrating the Mark touchdown. Then he's saying, oh, Zay's ready to take them all on. And that I think he glossed it over just slightly. Like, if Lamar hits Odell in stride, Sarah, there was daylight there. And so, again, it was, I'm, I'm nitpicking here. It was just slightly – it wasn't thrown fully in stride so that Odell could kind of lead his way up the field. But anyway, again, nitpicking stuff, great – start to the season here overall with plenty of improvement, right? We, we already documented. It hasn't been perfect. Don't go in the comments and drag us about how we're homers and this and that. We've already mentioned the ball security. We've mentioned some of the timing, and we've mentioned the overthrows. Those three areas are, are going to improve week in and week out. So that's that. All right, one other thing on, on Lamar that's not so much about his play, but I thought this was interesting. Jeff Schrebeck, um did his um, – uh, news and notes that he always does uh, Tuesday mornings. And I found this note to be interesting and it's his, it, it's his commentary on uh, Lamar Jackson. So let me just read this. He says, quote, beyond what we've seen from Lamar Jackson on the field, his demeanor in the locker room and at his media sessions is different from what we've witnessed over the past couple of years. I wrote quite a few times about how, Jackson looked in recent years like he had a, the weight of the world on his shoulders. The youthful exuberance that he carried his first couple of years, which was so endearing, was less and less noticeable. That really has changed. His in interviews are more playful and engaging. He's all over the locker room, bouncing around to different conversations and having fun with his teammates. That doesn't tell... That doesn't all... Let me see. That doesn't at all mean he's been brooding in recent years. He's always been accessible to his teammates. However, he seems to be involved even more. He's also been far more vocal when it comes to time, when it comes time for pregame and halftime speeches. Signing a $260 million contract extension would make anybody happy. And it's got to be a relief for Jackson to have that process behind him. But that's not necessarily the only explanation. He seems genuinely excited about the future of the offense, too. Close quote. So I just thought that was a great insight from, from Jeff. I feel like Lamar's always been 
mostly even kill, but I can hear what Jeff is saying here that it felt like he had the weight of the world on his shoulders. And that weight is off in terms of not only contract stuff, but he's in an offense that he just seems to love and feel so comfortable in. So most of us can probably agree. It's just straight up more fun to be there for live Ravens football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official resale ticket marketplace of the Ravens, Ticketmaster has a wide selection of fully verified resale tickets. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. You can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Plus, if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. So do yourself a favor and find verified resale tickets today by visiting Ticketmaster.com forward slash Ravens. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Stephen A. Smith, ESPN. This is where we'll begin the next part of the conversation here. He ranked his top five NFL teams on first take, which was seen on ESPN Tuesday. And here, here's what he's got. He's got five. We'll go bottom to top. Philadelphia Eagles, five. He's got the Ravens at four. Three, Cowboys. Two, Dolphins. One, 49ers. What do you make of this? Uh, well, let me play for you what he said about the Ravens, and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll pipe in. Top five, don't give it to me right here. Bam! You know what time this is, Shannon. It's the Baltimore Ravens. We're talking about Lamar Jackson. Without OBJ, they still got Devin DuVernay. Not Ava, but Devin DuVernay. Okay, you got Bateman. You got, you're, you're sitting up there. You're looking at Lamar Jackson running with the football. That defense is no joke. Zay Flowers had a big play. The defense is full of rough riders. They're experienced. They still got Harbaugh there. They got something to prove. And we know right now, they look better than anybody in the AFC North, all right? I got to give them some love. They ain't top three, though. Give it to me. I think this is fine. I'm not uh, – he – these national guys get a better feel for how everybody is playing. Like, I, obviously, our niche is just hyper-focused on the Ravens, and, you know, we do come up and look around a little bit. But, you know, I, I mean, it's fine. It's fine. Um, here's, here's what I find more interesting, Bobby, because these NFC teams – that's going to work themselves out come playoff time. I'm more concerned about the AFC teams. And so I kind of wanted us to just kind of play around with this a little bit. We know based off of, we were recording in the middle of that Pittsburgh 
um, Cleveland game Monday night. We were doing that recording at that time for the Tuesday morning vault. So now we know the Ravens are now in sole possession of first place in the AFC North at 2-0. Steelers and Browns both at 1-1, and and then the Bengals at 0-2. So where I'm with Steven is I think both the Ravens and the um, Dolphins are top five material. They're the only two teams that are undefeated in the AFC. What's interesting to me, Bobby, is that coming into the season, everybody was talking about what a juggernaut the AFC would be. Then suddenly that first week, Aaron Rodgers goes down with the New York Jets. Patrick Mahomes is going through growing pains and other pains with his new receivers, but I am not counting them out. I, I, I could see in one or two weeks the, the Chiefs being right back up in the top five of, of people's list like Stephen A., so not counting them out. Um, but, yeah, to me, it's pretty clear through two weeks, the Ravens and the Dolphins, they're the cream of the crop of, at, in the AFC uh, until further notice. And if it keeps up, that Week 17 game is going to be pretty interesting. This will change 1,500 times between now and January, as we know. And mm-hmm. I think it's a little premature to bring Kansas City just out of respect to the dynasty. I think it seems a little premature of Stephen A. to just bounce Kansas City out of the top five. I mean, I know Eric Bieniemy is no longer, and he's in. obviously he's in Washington, no longer playing, calling plays for Kansas City. But... That seems a little premature, if, if you ask me. But yeah, and and look, you know, Cleveland. I don't know if you can truly put a price tag on the importance of of Nick Chubb to that offense. Yep. And when we were recording on Monday night, we weren't sure. We we figured based on the replays, unfortunately, uh, for that just gruesome knee injury that he would be done for the year, and that was confirmed on Tuesday. So that is a massive blow. I did see a report on Tuesday that they had Kareem Hunt in for a visit. So it looks like they could, you know, bring in one of their former guys right away to try and make do without one of the game's great running backs. So that's definitely going to, you know, that will definitely change things for Cleveland, who the Ravens will see relatively soon. And this this front-loaded schedule of in-division opponents is about to begin. So Anyway, good some early some early good talk. I'm sure we'll review and, and revisit the whole AFC hierarchy many, many times because I'm still standing <laughs> by, even though right now it feels like the NFC is chilling and there's a lot of teams over there. I still think the gauntlet that is the AFC will come to fruition and be sustained throughout this season. So one quick thought here. on yeah. one quick thought on the Browns real quick. Again, it was just one game, but when Nick Chubb went down, and again, I didn't see that live after we finished recording. I went in and watched the second half. Deshaun Watson does not look like a quarterback to me that can carry a team. He's paid like it, but he's not. Like it just felt like and the to the to to in his defense, the Steelers defense is out of this world. I got when I watched that those games and knowing that the Browns and the Steelers are coming up for the Ravens, my thought was, and this is easier said than done, if the Ravens can manage to not have any turnovers or give up crazy special teams scores, like a, a punt return like we saw, I see them beating those two teams. They they cannot keep up offensively, but I have so much respect for both their defenses. TJ Watt was playing out of his mind. If the Ravens can can contain T.J. Watt 
and they can just get out of there with no turnovers, I feel like the Ravens can can win those games and win them convincingly. But that's going to be easier said than done. Sorry, let's move on to roster moves. Well, big milestone now that you got me thinking about it. TJ Watts, the all-time sack leader in Pittsburgh, and there's been quite a few big-time pass rushers to have come through that town. So now he's he's phenomenal. But just to put it in perspective, he has about eighty-eight and a half, I believe, and he's got more time, a lot more time. But I know where you're going with this. Kind of thirty-two, thirty-three, something like that. So uh, no, he's he's a stud. But I'm just I was when I heard that last night, I thought it was going to be you know right up there even higher, but he's got, he's got some years to catch up, but that just, I think underscores how phenomenal Terrell Suggs was. I don't think TJ's going anywhere. So we'll see when it's all said and done, but uh, yeah, we, we know that both Cleveland and Pittsburgh's defensive fronts, and quite frankly, they were tamed on Sunday and Cincy, but the Bengals defensive front has been game wrecking to Baltimore over the years. And so uh, this is no joke. Baltimore's defensive or the AFC North defensive fronts are no joke collectively, but Let's shift gears to some roster moves made here because it's another blow to the secondary, unfortunately, for the Ravens, as we learned on Tuesday. Our Darius Washington, former undrafted rookie who has stepped up admirably and been a key part in the midst of several starters being down in the secondary. He was placed on injured reserve by the team on Tuesday with a chest injury. Remember, that means he's going to miss at least the next four games. And he tweeted out almost simultaneously with that announcement. Uh, never take the field, I should say, never take taking the field for granted. And you have to feel for a guy like that because not only has he been playing well, Sarah, but he's been playing well in replacement of guys that are starters. And so it's almost like, yeah, did he have a tough assignment against you know the three-headed monster in Cincinnati? Yes, but he held his own. And like we talked about in the postgame earlier this week, too, you can, you can make an argument that's the stiffest task all season long. Now, they'll see Cincy again, but it just it's really too bad for a former undrafted rookie who has found his spot, at least the way things stand right now, roster-wise, in Baltimore. We still don't know whether it's season-ending. So because the last time Harbaugh spoke, he said there were no guys that were going to be going on IR, and then here we are today. So that tells me, um, again, he doesn't have any problem telling us when somebody has to go on IR. So that tells me that this was like a late developing uh, injury. So I'm sure Harbaugh will be asked about that um, Wednesday afternoon. Meanwhile, Sam Mustafer, the center, is coming up, got, or got signed to the 53-man roster. And that was, um, I mean, even when Linderbaum was still healthy, they still um, brought him up from the practice squad. So this seems like a good move because even when Linderbaum's Back, it seems like they want to have that backup center active on game days. Elsewhere in the running back department. Oops. I think we, like this. we always do that. We're we do do that a good. lot. Behind the scenes. <laughs> but but Jeff Zarebeck quote tweeted, old friend Kenyon Drake, who played with the Ravens a couple seasons ago. Kenyon put up a um, one of my favorite emojis, the devil-faced purple emoji. And Jeff said that the Ravens are looking to potentially add to their running back depth, and they're going to bring in Kenyon, who played well for them last year. Sorry, not two years ago, for that last year. They're bringing him in for a visit, and at this point, again, this was Tuesday afternoon, 
nothing had been finalized yet, but there was been a lot of conversations, maybe speculation more so is the right word, Sarah, about guys like Jonathan Taylor. And then when this tweet popped up from Jordan Schultz, Cam Akers, who's the Rams running back, Jonathan's in Indianapolis with the Colts. Ravens will not see him this week, this weekend, by the way, because he's on IR for the next couple of weeks. But uh, looks like they're going to be settling with a familiar face. And I hate to say settle, but it looks like they're rolling with Drake here uh, for a little bit of insurance in the running back department. And that makes sense to me. I mean, John Harbaugh was asked when JK went down if they're going to go out and get anybody else. He said no. He obviously meant he wasn't going to go out and find like another starting caliber, kind of high priced, big name kind of guy. But they obviously need depth. And um, Kenyon Drake seems like a great guy to put on the practice squad just to have there. He's been here with Baltimore before. He knows. The, the team, he knows, you know, the culture, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, he was, he was, you know, did solid. He did solid when he was uh, called upon. So this is a nice cheap way to get some depth there on the practice squad. And at this point, you're kind of just giving yourself some options in the insurance department, right? Who knows mm -hmm. what they're going to call on if Keaton Mitchell's ready to go in a couple weeks when he's eligible to be activated off of IR, right? An undrafted rookie. Yeah, he showed out in the preseason, but you got to see, does he end up getting the call over a Melvin Gordon in terms of game day call-ups or as, as potentially, you know, running back three, or will that be Kenyon Drake competing for that? Maybe those three guys are all competing to, to be behind Gus and Justice. So let's get to some quick hits here and we'll begin with Mina Kimes, ESPN's Mina Kimes. If I'm not mistaken, she is like expecting here pretty soon very right? soon she's yes working yeah which is cool super cool and she's gosh she's like so talented at what she does and i'm glad that 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 uh you know she, she's able to work right up until like that, that's football fans are in for a treat when she's doing what she does best and that included on tuesday talking a little bit about the middle part of baltimore's defense let's go to the other side of the ball though mina what stood out to yeah. you uh, how they were able to keep joe burrow and company in check well first i want to give a shout out to geno stone who is filling in for marcus williams he was outstanding in yeah, this game well, safety man. pass rush was really good but just watching this defense I don't think we can stress enough how well their two starting linebackers are playing. Patrick Queen, LSU, you guys you know, uh, mm -hmm. know him well, is flying around the football field right now. I feel like he was in on tackling on every single screen for a loss or a minimal gain. He's playing so fast. And then Roquan Smith, his running mate inside, I don't know if it's possible to weaponize a linebacker, but that's exactly what Mike McDonald is doing. 25% of his snaps, he was mugged up at the line of scrimmage. He's the threat to blitz or drop into coverage on every single play. And it's because of that disguise and chaos up front that Joe Burrow struggles so much versus the Ravens' split safety coverages. The spine of this defense is incredible. The spine and weaponizing the linebackers. So everybody go ahead and you say linebackers aren't worth the money anymore while Mike McDonald weaponizes them with a fantastic defensive line that keeps, you know, it, Ray Lewis loved it too. He always wanted big defensive lines so that he could just fly, you know, and not be gobbled up by offensive linemen. Uh, I love that, weaponizing the linebackers. And who knows? Maybe they'll just try to 
pay PQ at the end of the season so they can continue to weaponize. I have no idea how they're going to do that allocation-wise, but we'll get to there when we get to there. How about this from Jeff Zarebeck, Justin Matabike? It's been a tough couple weeks for him in the penalties department, and which has affected his wallet, unfortunately. He's been fined to this point at the time of this taping over $21,000 for the two face mask penalties in week one against Houston. And Sarah, he's probably going to receive another letter from the league's discipline branch this week after he was flagged in the third quarter for a roughing the passer penalty on Joe Burrow, which was a textbook roughing the passer penalty. So all of a sudden, I don't know where Justin's at in the discipline department, but unfortunately, he's got to figure it out soon uh, because he's doling out thousands to Roger Goodell's office. That is a lot of money, and I don't care that he's um, probably, wait, he's he's still on his rookie deal, right? Yeah, that's a lot of money. This is a contract he, year for him, Sarah. This is a contract year. Was he a third rounder? He's not making, I mean, he's making a ton compared to like the average American, but I'm just saying this means something to him. This, this is a lot of money. You're already at 21000 that's before this. Not only is he like giving up the money, but that roughing the passer ended, that series ended in a burrow finding, I believe, T. Higgins in the end zone. So yeah, he needs to clean it up. And listen, it's just one of those things. I mean, he's so aggressive and we want him to rush the passer. And it's just, uh, it's, I'm sure like these tiny, tiny fine lines that you just got to be able to like play hard and then know when to stop. It's, it's not easy, but as a professional, he's got to figure that out. Dustin was a 2020 third rounder. Let's finish here. This one was generating plenty of reaction online. And this isn't the first, by the way, TMZ is hopping on other reports as well that I've seen, but maybe Here this is the most go. credible, if you will, if you want to call TMZ credible, but which they typically are. Anyway, TMZ is reporting, along with other outlets, that Kim Kardashian and Odell Beckham Jr. are, quote, hanging out. Kim has started up a new friendship with former NFL superstar. I don't know why the word former is used in the first paragraph, <laughs> but they are hanging out a lot thanks to a group of mutual friends. So what has the reaction been online? I've seen the word distraction used quite a bit, Sarah. And while I'm not going to sit here and tell Odell how he should be living in his personal life because he is OBJ, and I certainly am not going to judge Kim because they've built something that's the equivalent of a dynasty in sports, uh, it does scare me a little bit. Like, can we wait till off season? Maybe I have no comment. I, I, I like, I couldn't care less. I couldn't care less. And like my commentary is saved for the field and things that, that, well, you think it's going to impact it apparently. Uh, yeah, I've got no comment here. I don't care about OBJ who OBJ is hanging out with. <laughs> like, I'm just saying the Kardashian family has had quite the track record in dating professional athletes. That is very true. Has gone swell. That is very true because I'll be honest, I do keep up with Kardashians sometimes on TV. <laughs> and there's been a lot of athletes, different sisters dating different athletes. So uh yeah, but I will tell you this. If Kim starts to be spotted in Owings Mills, Maryland, <laughs> I'm gonna be shook. Okay, I'm gonna be sure. Whatever, man, that. you're doing a pregame show down there. You need to get her on there. That's what you got to do, Mister Grinder. Well, absolutely. You know, why don't we start coordinating how 
you know, her people can talk to my people and my people is one. And it's a dude who works too much, doesn't sleep and is really tired right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we'll one of these days, that. I will not do it now, but one of these days I will have to tell a story when I was working there when we had Jada Pinkett Smith down as a celebrity sideline reporter, this was back in like 2006 or seven. That was a day to remember. Holy moly. I'll, I'll tell that yeah. story one day. Good. Good. We'll definitely revisit that because I've heard that from you offline before. So <laughs> others should as well when, when time permits, but we want to shout out and thank two of our returning patrons. They're supporting everything we do in here inside the vault. That's James Wiley and D Black. We appreciate you both for believing in what we're building here in Baltimore and beyond. And if you guys are out there and you're interested in doing the same, maybe you're interested in signing up for a $4.99 monthly shout out that you'll receive from us across our channels. Again, it's a monthly monthly shout out for $4.99, a great way to support us and a great way to also find a little incentive in what we're doing being a part of, of, of our channel. So thanks, James. Thanks, D. As always, you can donate to the channel through Venmo if you don't want to do so on a monthly installment basis through Patreon. We want to hear from you as well via email at BaltimoreRavensVault at gmail.com. And connect with Sarah on Twitter. You can find me across all channels at Bobby Baltimore. And with that partner, we will be back on Thursday morning. We're still efforting to try and figure out who is going to be this week's sort of featured guest for all things Indianapolis. So stay tuned for that. And again, if you haven't already done so, episode two of Inside the Vault with Roquan Smith powered by Cybertech is now available across all of our platforms. So go check that out. Roquan was box office, which should surprise none of you because that's just what he does at this point. So get your popcorn, go check that out. And we'll talk to you again on Thursday morning.